I'm Carson Horn, and it's Wednesday at 10, which means it's time for Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So grab your toilet paper and let's get rolling. Welcome in to Talking Tumors on this beautiful but cool day here at Auburn University. Will TJ Finley win the QB battle again this season? How about Auburn basketball? Can they make a run in the NCAA tournament? And is Auburn baseball ready for SEC play? Those are some of the questions that I have, and I'm going to do my best to answer them today, as I'm sure many of you share the same questions, as it is a busy, busy time in Auburn with all the sports that are going on with baseball, with basketball, with spring football. That's not to mention Auburn softball, Auburn gymnastics, as they prepare to get ready for the SEC tournament coming up this weekend. It is crazy on campus right now, something going on every single night, every single day. And we're going to do our best to cover as much as we can in today's show. It is absolutely loaded, but we're going to start with that last question. Is Auburn baseball ready for SEC play? Just checking. Is that game still going on from last night? No, it finally ended. It went 12 innings last night against Georgia Tech in Auburn's final non-conference game of this, uh, not of the season before SEC play starts. Not really a game that you want to go into extras, especially when you're about to start SEC play because it causes you to have to throw more pitchers. Auburn threw a lot of guys last night, but they didn't throw them for extremely long because obviously you're trying to save those guys, uh, get them ready to go. Yeah, I mean, near 10 pitchers threw last night. And just insane. There were 42 hits in the game. 42 hits. I'll, I'll, I'll repeat that. That is insane that there were that many hits the final score I believe was 12 to 11 Auburn did get the win they walked it off in the bottom of the 12th Brody Wortham came off the bench in a a pinch hitter and walked it off for the Tigers I mean just a wild game I didn't get to uh, watch it I was just looking at the uh, bop score Justin Kirby though had a big night last night good to see that from him he went four for six uh, in that game, just an incredible night at the plate for him. Josh Hall went three for five. He started in right field last night. He's been all over uh, the place. But the big thing for this Auburn team, uh, it was good for them to get a win last night. They were coming off a losing the fir- their first series of the year. They were on about a 10-game winning streak. And then last weekend, they played Southeastern Louisiana. They won the game on Friday night. Then they played a doubleheader on Saturday due to the weather on Sunday, and they dropped both of those games of the doubleheader to lose that series. That's not good. You don't want to lose a, a non-conference series, especially to a lesser opponent like Southeastern Louisiana. It can come back to haunt you when you're talking about whether Auburn gets to play in a regional, gets to host a regional uh, in uh, coming up later in the season. And especially you want to get as many wins as you can going into SEC play, which, I, as I mentioned before, is an absolute gauntlet. Uh, teams are loaded. So it was not good. However, Auburn did have uh, some marquee wins. They got the series win over Indiana. They got the series win over USC. Those two things will carry. USC just uh, beat Stanford, who was the number one team in the country in the series. So that series win looks even better uh, for Auburn. But nonetheless, it wasn't good to lose those games. And then Auburn was also at risk of losing three straight, something they had not done. They didn't do it all last season. Butch Thompson talked about that 
last night after the game. So it was big for Auburn to come back. They were down 10-4 to to Georgia Tech. So the fact that they were able to come back and get that win in extras, the, the fight, the determination again. They could easily pack things up on a, on a cold Tuesday night in non-conference play. They didn't do that. They battled. They gave everything they had. The bullpen finally settled in uh, for Auburn, and they were able to mount that comeback. Um, so that was good. Uh, good to see uh, from this team last uh, last night. And now they will turn their attention to SEC play. And it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a battle. They've got to go to Arkansas th- this weekend to open up. Arkansas ranked anywhere. Uh, you, all, all, in the top ten in pretty much every poll, I've seen them as high as number three in the country. Uh, very good team. Again, I haven't gotten to watch them, but just looking at their rankings, their record, they're 13-2. and two. Uh, Their roster... I'm not going to do a, a deep dive preview on that. Not going to spend the time on that, but it is going to be a tough series, like every series in the SEC is going to be this season, because of how deep and how good this conference is. But the key thing for Auburn that I'm focusing on is they got to get healthy, uh, and I think that was a large part of why they dropped the the series to Southeastern Louisiana. I know that's an easy excuse to make, but it's true when you're when you're without. Two of your best players, your best pitcher, uh, it, it's tough. Auburn's down four starters right now. Joseph Gonzalez is Auburn's ace. I don't know if he'll pitch this weekend. Uh, he didn't pitch last night. We'll see if he can go. Cooper McMurray, who had been the starting first baseman, a little bit of pl- platoon there at first base, but he, he's out right now. Cole Foster, your starting shortstop, he's out still. Bobby Pierce has tweaked a hamstring. He has uh, have been phenomenal to start the season. He's out. So really, what I'm looking at, the biggest losses, I think, are Cole Foster, Bobby Pierce, and Joseph Gonzalez. That's not taking anything away from Cooper McMurray. He has a role. He's, he's been solid at the plate. Uh, but those, those three with, with Foster, Pierce, and Gonzalez absolutely have to get healthy for this Auburn team. They can't afford to be without them. This is one of the deepest and most talented Auburn teams in, in recent history. But still, you got to be with your starters. Some guys have shined in their with their opportunities. I I think of Chris Stanfield was a, a top freshman, one of the top recruits in Auburn's uh, uh, class that came in this season. He's had the opportunity w- with Bobby Pierce going out with injury to step up, and he has played really well. I I really liked what I've seen from him. I think he'll continue to have a role on this team and on this uh, in this lineup moving forward. Mike Bello, who had been a starter last year, had kind of gotten knocked out of the lineup. He's gotten some opportunities as well uh, with the injuries. It's been good to see uh, Ike Irish play a little first base because Cooper McMurray's been out. If he can do that full uh, full time, even when Cooper McMurray returns, that opens up more opportunities in the lineup. If you can play Ike Irish at, at first base, it, it opens up that DH spot to really give it to whoever's got the hot bat. Uh, we saw that Bobby Pierce came back from the hamstring injury just a DH role, and then he tweaked it again. Uh, so hamstring is something you got to be very careful with. I'm afraid this may be an injury that holds him out longer than than any of us would like, just because of how you know hamstrings heal. In my little little medical knowledge, I don't know that. That's just pe- a speculation on my part. I hope not. Cole Foster some abdominal issues. I don't know exactly the extent of it there. Uh, I think he'll he should be good to go. Hopefully this weekend. As far as Joseph Gonzalez goes, I think he is getting back to doing some throwing. Again, Auburn staff, I've said two weeks ago, they weren't too concerned about this injury. I'm a little bit concerned about it now 
But hopefully he's able to get back. I doubt he'll start this weekend, but maybe by next weekend's series, he'll be good to go. As for some other uh, concerns besides just the injuries, I think pitching is is a, is a concern of mine. Um, there's a lot of arms. I just don't feel like they're guys who are really separating themselves as starters. I like Zach Crotchfield. He had a rough start this past weekend. I still like him. I think him and Joseph Gonzalez will 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 be two guys that will be starters. But I still figure uh, I still feel like Auburn's still trying to figure it out in the rotation. They mixed up their the way they've done things with Chase Austin moving him out and back into uh, the relief a relief role uh, with starting uh, Tanner Bauman uh, some and having Alsup come piggybacking him. They tried that out. That worked once. Didn't work another time. We'll see. I'm I'm very interested to see what this weekend rotation looks like. It, it'll probably be posted on Auburn's uh, baseball social media accounts either today or tomorrow. Uh, I'm very intrigued to, to see what they do with the rotation because I am a, a bit concerned, especially with uh, with Gonzo out. But even when he returns, he's just one starter. You need two others. So I, there's a lot of good arms, but who can fill in that starting role and can get you at least five innings in, in a conference game without you know mega damage taking place? Uh, as far as the hitting goes, it was colder this week. Obviously, you dropped two games to southeastern Louisiana. Even if you're not pitching well, you think you should be able to out-hit them. They didn't, but I believe Auburn had around 20 hits last night. So, hey, maybe that, maybe that is a good sign that the bats are waking up and uh, they'll be ready to, to be hot going uh, to Fayetteville this weekend uh, where, where they will definitely need to put up a lot of runs uh, against a, a tough pitching staff there uh, for Arkansas. So that is kind of the baseball uh, preview um, for uh, this weekend as Auburn, like I said, looks ahead to Arkansas and then they'll, uh, I believe, return home for non-conference and, I'm, and I'll have to look to see what the schedule is. So they play South Alabama in Montgomery on Tuesday and then the following weekend, March 23rd through the 25th, they'll host Georgia at home for the second SEC series uh, of the season. Uh, so we'll be looking forward to that. Of course, that should be an exciting one uh, at Riverwalk Stadium on Tuesday uh, night against South Alabama, a little less than a week. So the last few minutes here, I do want to touch on Auburn Gymnastics. They, they are heading up to the uh, SEC tournament uh, face-off there. Sunni Lee has been out with some uh, non-gymnastics-related me- uh, medical issues. I don't know if she'll be able to participate in the SEC uh, championships tournament there or not. Certainly, uh, this squad will will need her, and uh, hopefully, she will she she will be good. And hopefully, everything is okay with her with her help there. She was still honored on senior night this past Friday night, where Auburn had a really really good score despite SUNY being out. I think they are one ninety seven point six, which is a phenomenal score. Uh, against Penn State to finish out uh, their their season. They need to do well in this SEC tournament to be able to uh, get a really nice seating, get a good spot moving forward in the NCAA uh, tournament. They're going to be able to make another run at the Final Four like they did uh, last season. So we'll see what happens there uh, for uh, Auburn Gymnastics. We've got a lot more to talk about as we are about to take our first break here. You're listening to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. 
When you return, we are going to dive into spring football notes. A lot to discuss here as uh, Auburn football returned to the practice field on Monday after spring break. They had the week off for spring break. They were back. We're going to dive into that. And then at the halfway point, we will spend this whole second half of the show, I imagine, talking about Auburn basketball and the NCAA tournament and if the Tigers can make a run. So make sure to stay tuned to Talking Tumors here on Weagle 91.1. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids. Come back to Talking Tumors now here on Weagle 91.1. I could only hold off so long. I told you last show that I I was waiting that we'd have plenty of time to talk about the quarterback situation, but my hand was kind of forced here. I I have to talk about it on today's show, mainly because of what has taken place by former and current Auburn players on social media talking about T.J. Finley. Tank Bigsby uh, posted on on social media his support of Tank Tank Bigsby as as Auburn quarterback. Of course, Tank has moved on to the NFL, and he'll be looking to get uh, drafted wish him nothing but the best. But then we also had current running back Damari Alston uh, tweeting support for Tank Bigsby, uh, excuse me, for TJ Finley as well. So I was asked to start the show, can TJ Finley legitimately win this Auburn quarterback competition again this season? Essentially, he's been counted out, including by my by myself. I, I've, I've, you know, kind of counted him out, thought, you know, he would transfer, and he still might. All those things are still on the table. He he very well still could transfer out after spring, after, you know, after fall practice at some point. But as of right now, he's still in this competition. He's still in it uh, to win it. And by all accounts, T.J. Finley's a good teammate. I know that there are some things that happened uh, last season, but it certainly seems like most players still like T.J., still think he is a, a good a good dude, and, and I have no reason not to believe that. There were some things that happened last year as far as health went for him that kind of held him out. I know he didn't dress out some at the end of the season. That may have rubbed some people the wrong way. But it seems like it didn't do that to the teammates, and it certainly seems like they have a lot of respect for him. So can he win the job? Well, in the 20-minute viewing period on Monday, T.J. Finley was running with the ones. Again, you have to take that with a little bit of a grain, grain of salt because it's, it's only a 20-minute viewing period that the media gets to watch practice. So it could have, you know, they could be rotating and it just could have been how it played out at that point. And again, as I mentioned two weeks ago, Hugh Freeze says there's no depth chart right now. But we all know what they're thinking. And if somebody is running with the ones and they think they have a legitimate shot uh, of being the starter, and it could have been, look, we we're going to go Robbie week one. And then week two of practice, it was going to be TJ running the ones, and maybe the the following week it'll be Holden. I I don't know. Again, that's why I'm saying take it with a grain of salt. But nonetheless, he was running with the ones, which leads me to believe that he's getting a legitimate look and has a legitimate shot at at winning the the quarterback battle. I know. I I hear a lot of the anguish from, from Auburn fans, a lot of the frustration. I get that. But Hugh Freeze sees the potential. We got to remember here, T.J. Finley was a highly, highly recruited player from the likes of Alabama to LSU to Auburn. He, he went to LSU first, transferred to Auburn. He's got a great arm. His mobility, yes, is, is, is a bit of an issue. He's not typically a player that you think of when you think of a Hugh Freeze type of quarterback. But his arm strength is, is something that's going to 
uh, be enticing to any anybody who coaches quarterbacks and, and offense. And I think that's what the Auburn staff sees, that they can work on that accuracy, that they can work on uh, command uh, of the offense, and they see they see potential there. I still believe, and, and, and I've stood by this, that Auburn's going to get a transfer quarterback after this spring period, and more than likely that transfer quarterback, whoever it is, and I have no clue who it might be. I really don't. I, I can throw out guesses, and I've done that before, but I really don't know because I don't think Auburn's coaches really know because they have to see who enters the portal. I still believe a transfer quarterback will be the starting quarterback come fall for Auburn. But it could be T.J. Finley. It could be Robbie Ashford. I, I r- way I see things right now is, is I am a, I am not counting T.J. Finley out the way that I was, uh, let's say even two weeks ago, where I thought that he was just kind of going through the motions. I really do believe that he has a legitimate shot at winning the shop. I if he is the if he take taking reps with the ones late in the spring and even on a day. Then I'll be like, oh wow, you know, he he for real might do this. It, if he is, if that's not the case, then then probably not. But if he is if he is QB one on a day, uh, then I'll be like, okay, he he might actually be the starter come fall. Right now, again, I'm not trying to read too much into the situation because it is so early in spring. Because it really only was just the fourth practice of spring for Auburn. Again. So take it all with a grain of salt. Don't make it out to be more than it is. But I will say I do think he has more of a shot than I thought two weeks ago. Part of that reason also is from what I've read and uh, from those who have viewed practice, Robbie Ashford is continuing to struggle with his accuracy. And I think TJ has been more accurate. It was something that I think Robbie was one of the worst quarterbacks last uh, fall and spring when they were having the quarterback competition last year with accuracy that that's an issue that we saw with him as a starter. That's something he has to improve on, whether it's physical or whether it's a, a, a mental issue, uh, if he's overthinking throws, if he's putting too much uh, touch on throws. I'm not a quarterback. I don't know all the details of that. That's what the staff has to figure out. Is it a physical uh, incapability? I don't think so. I, I really don't. But he's got to figure out how to be more accurate with his throws, and I think that's why you may have seen T.J. Finley getting some more reps with the ones if he was a more accurate passer than Ashford has been so far uh, during spring. But we all saw him make that throw that he made against Alabama in the Iron Bowl, which was a next-level throw uh, down the sideline over the shoulder. I tend to believe that that's not an anomaly, that he can do that, and he can do it on a fairly consistent basis. You may disagree with me, but I believe with the right coaching, meaning with Ken Austin and Phil Montgomery and Hugh Freeze, that they can get the best out of him, that they can get more consistency to where he can make those throws, whether that's adjusting the mechanics, whether that's working in the film room, whatever that is, I still have confidence that this staff can get the best out of him. And if they can, I'm not sure anyone can. They're going to continue to work. They love, they're going to love his potential. They already do. His athleticism, his ability to extend plays. If he can improve as a passer, then he can win the job this fall. And, and really take the, take the reins as the position. I, I've read to you some of his comments. He has gone into the spring as thinking of himself as QB1, as he should. He was the starter for the second half of the season. That's exactly how he should go into camp. That's how he, he should conduct himself as a leader and in that way. 
but he's got to continue to work on improving just like everyone else on the team. We'll have plenty more on the QB battle. I'm sure there's going to be plenty more to talk about moving forward, but that's kind of where we stand at the moment. But I'm standing my, by my prediction that Auburn's quarterback come fall will be a transfer. But I could be wrong on that, and I, I would love nothing more than for one of these quarterbacks on the roster currently to win the job. And another breakdown now I want to do is on the wide receiver room. This is a room that Auburn has not been able to get much out of. Part of that's because of them. Part of that's because of the quarterback play. But we Auburn hasn't had just a really dominant receiver, I'd say, since you can make the argument for Seth Williams. Um, but just haven't had anybody step up into that alpha role uh, in the Auburn receivers. And again, I don't put a ton of blame on them as much as I put the blame on the quarterback situation, play calling, the coaching, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Marcus Davis, former Auburn wide receiver, is the new wide receiver's coach for Auburn, seen as an up-and-comer in the industry. Can he take this wide receiver room to the next level? A lot of guys in this room were highly recruited, were, were very um, talented receivers coming out of high school. Uh, speak, uh, a couple of those were Javarius Johnson and Malcolm Johnson, Jr. This is the last chance for these two. They're veterans now. Both are extremely talented. Both have shown signs of really taking that next step. I'd say especially uh, Javarius Johnson has really shown the ability at times to be wide receiver one, and I think there's a good chance he will be that uh, this season. So can he take the next step? He and Malcolm Johnson Jr., those are the two I'm watching. Malcolm Johnson Jr.'s got a little bit more length to him uh, at 6'3", uh, and he's got good speed. I, I think that he is someone who could thrive in, in this Hugh Freeze offense because of his size and his length that we've seen Hugh Freeze be able to get the best out of those receivers. He did seem to be uh, out of spring practice on Monday, maybe with some type of injury. I'm not sure what's going on there, but hopefully he'll be healthy. He dealt with an injury last season. So what can Marcus Davis get out of these two guys, the veterans in the room? And then you've got your young guys. Your uh, sophomores this season, Tavares Dawson, Amari Kelly, Camden Brown, Jay Fair. All those guys are, are talented. All those guys we saw a lot of potential out of. Camden Brown, of course, is the guy who everyone is excited about. He he is, a, I think, going to be a phenomenal receiver at Auburn. He showed sparks of that. It, as I mentioned, if Auburn had better quarterback play last season, I think you would have seen even more out of Camden Brown. His pass-catching ability... Uh, is phenomenal. Very, very excited to watch him this season and hopefully see him take that next step as a receiver. But it's also gonna, going to have to come hand-in-hand hand with the quarterback play. Jay Fair, someone who uh, didn't play that much last season but has next-level speed, a smaller, quick receiver. What role does he have this season? We'll see. Omari Kelly, someone who is seen as a very good pass catcher. Not going to take the top off of a defense type of receiver, more of a possession receiver, short routes. Uh, what is his role this season? Uh, we'll see as well. Tavares Dawson, very similar to Javaris Johnson. He, he and Javaris Johnson went back and forth last year on the depth chart. You'd have Tavares start some games. You'd have J.J. start some games. What is his role? Is he still going to be in that back and forth with Javaris Johnson this season? I don't know. He didn't catch many passes last year, even when he started, and I think that was a big reason that maybe Javari Johnson moved back into that role uh, because uh, Dawson's lack of production. So can Auburn get more out of him? 
like I said, there's a lot of names that I just talked about, a lot of guys with a lot of potential. Not all uh, will will exceed expectations or really um, excel, but if Marcus Davis can just get uh, a little out of all of them or a lot out of a few of them, then that'll be the key for this receiving core. And uh, this season, I'd like to see a dominant force come in. And then you've got Nick Mardner, the transfer, the 6'6 receiver, transferring from Cincinnati. He was at Hawaii with Marcus Davis, where he had a phenomenal year, a 1,000-yard receiving year. He didn't have a big year last year at Cincinnati, but Marcus Davis feels like he knows how to utilize him. Great size. We'll see what Auburn can do with him and what role he plays. Auburn, as I mentioned before, could have a scary goal line uh, pass-catching crew with Rivaldo Fairweather, Nick Mardner, and Camden Brown. All that great size down there on the goal line. Should be fun to watch. We'll talk about tight ends uh, a little bit later on. But that's the receiver breakdown so far this spring as we get more notes on a depth chart and how things seem to be shaking out later in the spring. We'll come back to it. But those are some things I'm watching in the receiver room this spring. And a big note to close out our football segment here that came out of Monday's practice was Jeffrey Emba playing some edge. We know the edge is a, or Jack linebacker is what it's going to, going to be called uh, in this defense with Ron Roberts, is a position that has little depth at all. Uh, they brought in Keltrick Falk in the recruiting class and uh, brought in Elijah McAllister from Vanderbilt via the transfer portal, but it's all freshmen and, and uh, Elijah McAllister at that position right now. So there's not much depth. There's talent there. There's no doubt that there's talent there. And there's Dylan Brooks returning for Auburn. Uh, he's, I think, a junior actually now. But he really hasn't produced much so far. So I think Auburn's trying to explore all options. I don't know that Jeffrey Embo will play edge. I really do think it's just kind of more for a depth reason, maybe an exploratory reason. How does he look out there? If we, we try him out there and we don't like it, if he if he can't really play in, in the space like that, we'll move him back to defensive line. There's no issues there. I do like the thought process here. Let's try it out. Maybe it does work. You know, he's extremely athletic. There's no doubt about that. But does he have the quickness? Does he have the speed to be able to make tackles in space? Uh, we'll see. Uh, I, I think the staff has to figure that out. I don't know. I, like I said, I think that he is extremely talented, and I like the thought process behind it, but I have no clue if he's fast enough, quick enough to be able to handle that position. If not, though, I'm really looking forward to Jeffrey Emba this season. I think he's going to take a big jump. I think there's just too much talent for him not to be a big producer uh, for this defense this season. But we'll talk more about the defensive line and the edge position uh, in our previews coming up later on in the spring. And then Auburn will have a scrimmage on Friday. They'll practice today. They practice Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. And they'll have a scrimmage on Friday. It's going to be a situational scrimmage, according to Hugh Freeze. Again, they haven't installed much at all, so there's going to be, you know, very little things that they can run. That's why you can't do a full-on, you know, scrimmage. But they'll do some situational things. Maybe you'll get some ones versus ones. I'll be very intrigued to see what notes uh, come out of spring practice there. Uh, that scrimmage on Friday, who stands out, who looked good, who looked bad, those type of things that you that you hear out of these springs and these scrimmages. But like I said, with the QB situation is so early on uh, in spring, and again, this isn't even fall practices that you have to take everything 
with a grain of salt. Every information that you read, every rumor of what may have happened at practice or or, or during a scrimmage that's not available uh, to media to see, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Everyone has a has an agenda out there, what they're pushing, what they want to see for the team. So I'm, I'm trying to be careful with that, trying not to jump the gun on any situation. That's why I wanted to be careful in, in regards with how I talked about the quarterback situation today. And I'll try to continue that trend with every position and every player that I discuss moving forward. But that'll wrap us up for talking about Auburn football today. Again, we'll have plenty more. I've got plenty more position breakdowns to discuss moving forward as spring football continues on in the next couple of weeks. The 8A game was announced. Uh, the time of it was announced. It'll be at 1 o'clock on April 8th if you're interested in either watching that or attending that. But with that, we'll go to break. And when we return, we will dive into basketball. So we'll be right back here on Weagle 91.1. Department of Health and Human Services. Welcome back to Talking Tumors here on Weagle 91.1. March Madness is here. And for the fourth time in the last five years, Auburn is going dancing again. Just a great accomplishment. And Bruce Pearl said said this in his press conference after uh, Auburn was announced that they were in the tournament and where they're playing and all that. You know, said don't take this for granted. You know, this is this is something that is is a a blessing. It's an opportunity and it's a reward. And uh, it it is something that Auburn basketball for a long time was not accustomed to consistently. Being in the NCAA tournament, and now it's something that is an expectation that Auburn is going to be in the NCAA tournament every year, and will have a chance to make a run in the NCAA tournament every year. And not too long ago, for the majority of my lifetime, just the thought of getting even to the NCAA tournament was a crazy thought and something that was nearly impossible. And so it is remarkable, and it's something that Auburn fans should all be grateful. For and thankful to Bruce Pearl and his staff and the Auburn administration and athletic department for for this progress and where Auburn basketball is now. And uh, so I, I'm very excited uh, to watch this team play. The last time uh, that we were, I was on air, it was the Wednesday, uh, I believe, before Auburn played Alabama. Uh, and I said, I didn't think Auburn had a chance. Well, Auburn nearly won that game, arguably should have won that game in Tuscaloosa, it was a painful, another painful close loss for Auburn. But then they responded, and they got the win at home against Tennessee to close out the regular season. And thank goodness they did because that was a much-needed win because Auburn ended up losing to Arkansas in the first round of the SEC tournament. That was a horrible draw. Arkansas was much better than a 10 seed. They were higher than a 10 seed in the NCAA tournament, but they were a 10 seed in the SEC tournament just because of their conference record. It was a battle. Arkansas got up big, real big on Auburn, and I really didn't think it was going to be close. Auburn made the comeback, had the chance to win in the end, but wasn't able to. Again, just another another close loss that we've seen too much of. I want to say seven. There have been seven losses from uh, by Auburn this year by five or less points. It has shown that this team can compete with anyone. Which should give Auburn confidence, should give Auburn fans confidence heading into the SEC tournament that they can, uh, excuse me, NCAA tournament that they can compete with anyone. On the flip side, they haven't been able to win many close games, which that, that would give you a lot of nerves going in to the NCAA tournament. So what's going to happen? 
I, I really don't know. I'll give you my best guess in that as we move through the show uh, in this segment here, as we preview Iowa and look at this, the bracket that, that Auburn's in. But anything can happen in March, in March Madness. We know that. There's Cinderella stories every year. There, there are eight, nine, ten seeds that make runs every year. As Auburn's a nine seed, you know Auburn made it to the Final Four as a five seed. Look, in anything can happen. It's so hard to predict um, because you, yeah, a team can get hot at any moment. Uh, so I, I do think there's a lot of things, as I mentioned, that will give me confidence that that Auburn can win some games, can win this first one, can win maybe a second one uh, in this NCAA tournament. But there's also a lot of things that that would lead me to believe that they'll probably lose the first one, and I wouldn't be surprised either way, and I think a lot of Auburn fans feel the same way. They wouldn't be surprised if this Auburn team made a run. They also wouldn't be surprised if they lost in this first game. With that being said, let's dive into Iowa. I've done a deep dive into Iowa because, unlike SEC teams, I haven't really watched much Iowa basketball, if any at all, uh, this season. So I watched, went back and watched some games. I've, I've looked at Millions of stats, uh, read a lot of articles on this team. The first thing that jumps out to them is their size. I think Bruce Pearl pointed out that they're very similar in uh, size to Arkansas. They're not as talented as Arkansas is with three five-star lottery pick guys that are in, in the starting lineup for the Razorbacks. But their smallest guard 6'3", and everyone is in that 6'3 to 6'9". They don't have anyone over 6'9" which is a good thing for Janai Broom uh, down in, in in the paint, and maybe we'll get some opportunities for Auburn. We'll talk about that here in a bit. But large guards have given Auburn tr- some trouble in the past, so that was the first thing that jumped out to me. The second thing, they're a great offense. Uh, they're averaging 80 points per game. Uh, they can absolutely score the basketball. They're number three in assists to turnover ratio, 10th in field goals attempted a game. Very different from the majority of Big Ten teams. Most A lot of Big Ten teams play a, at a slower pace. Iowa plays at a, a pace that Auburn's going to be more accustomed to to see in, in the SEC. It's about getting up as many shots as you can. Just going, going, going. Uh, they're one of the best offenses in college basketball this season. And that's partly led by Chris Murray, who uh, averages uh, 20 points per game. He's a 6'8 forward but really more like a guard, can do it all. Uh, he averaged 20 points, as I mentioned, and eight rebounds a game. A phenomenal player. His brother was a lottery pick in last year's draft. I don't know that Chris will be a lottery pick, but he will more than likely be a first-round draft pick uh, in this year's upcoming draft. A great, great player for Iowa. That's their leader. But everybody is a threat to score on this team. There's no one on this team that you cannot defend. There's no one that you can say, okay, he can shoot because they all are a threat from the field. They only have about six guys that they really play, that play double-digit minutes for them. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on as Auburn plays more of the bench, although that bench has shrunk this year uh, later in the season, as it has to. You have to shrink those rotations and play your starters uh, more minutes, of course, if you want to win games uh, later in the season. The majority of their points, though, do come from their front court. Meaning, obviously, Chris Murray, as I mentioned, averages 20 points per game. Uh, Rebracca is a the other forward uh, slash kind of center role for them. Uh, he has, I think, averages around 14 points per game. Uh, very a guy who can really put it in the basket for Iowa and can shoot the three. So, someone that you have to defend uh, from the top down. Uh, 
as I mentioned, they play fast. They uh, a lot of drives and dishes. I think uh, Bruce Pearl said they offensively they reminded him a lot of Missouri, who is also a I believe top fifteen offense. Missouri scores a lot of points, and for Auburn fans, you're thinking, really that Missouri team that we held to less than sixty points? Yeah, well, that was an off night for that Missouri team, but it should give you some confidence that okay, Auburn was able to shut down a really really good off uh, offensive team that is Missouri. However, I think that Iowa is better offensively than Missouri. There are similarities and that both are really good shooting teams. But I feel like I I felt like Missouri's offense gets stagnant at times. I really do. I feel like they kind of sit in their corners and they just look move pass the ball around and hope that they can get the defense out of place. Whereas I saw more similarities where the offense runs just in, by watching Iowa to maybe to a Vanderbilt. They're a much better shooting team than Vanderbilt, but the way that they want to get you chasing, they want to drive, they want to drive and dish, dish it out. If they can get you chasing, and then that means they're going to have open looks, and that's what they want. They'll take pull-up jumpers. They'll take threes. They're not a team re- completely reliant on the three-point shot. They're okay with taking pull-up jump shots. That's something I think we saw more uh, against Vanderbilt. And the game I really watched a lot of was the Indiana matchup, and in that matchup, they had Indiana chasing. Indiana was chasing in the whole game, and I will went on to score ninety points. If Auburn is in, if Auburn can stay in front of them and stay in position, and is not behind the ball, if the ball is moving faster than the defense is, and there's going to be issues for Auburn in this game. The best thing this defense can do is to stay in front of this Iowa team. Don't uh, get out of position defensively. Uh, Patrick McCaffrey, one of the sons of head coach Fran McCaffrey, uh, and Sanford come off the bench uh, for them and both add some nice shooting. Like I mentioned, any of these guys on their bench or on the on that play on this team can go off. There's been multiple games where a different guy has made six threes in a game. You know, all of them had that potential because they all shoot around 33% from the three-point line, which is really good. Uh, as a team, for everyone to be able to shoot that, it's not a, it's not great. You want a, a, a really good shooter is around 38 to 40 percent from three, but 33 percent means all of them have the potential to get hot on, on any given night. So Auburn's got to defend against that. They can score in bunches. Absolutely have to keep this Iowa team uh, from getting on runs. If that means that Bruce Pearl has to be a little bit more aggressive with calling a timeout if they start to get hot, then then so be it. But have to keep this team from getting hot because of their ability to, to score in bunches. With all that said about their offense, their defense is one of the worst in the country, arguably the worst defense in the NCAA tournament. They're in the 300s, 300s in many defensive statistical categories, including opponent three-point perc- uh, percentage. However, one thing they do do well is that they will turn you over uh, they do like to play a lot of uh, full-court press. Uh, we'll see how much of that they do against this Auburn team because you don't necessarily want to go full-court press against this Auburn team because Auburn's not a great half-court offensive team. By going in a full-court press, that allows Auburn to be more aggressive and get maybe some more points in transition. But with all that saying, I think Auburn's offense is going to have a good shot um, of getting a lot of good looks. In this game, from three, uh, from two, because as I mentioned, no one over six nine. I think Auburn will have a chance to maybe have some size advantage in there with Janai Broom in the paint. 
maybe he's able to get some uh, better looks here against this Iowa defense. But I also expect him to probably try to double team and take the front court away, take Jalen Williams away, take Janai Broom away, and that's going to open up some three-point shots. The key is for Auburn is making them. They're going to get open looks in this game. They have to be able to make them. If, they, if they're if they making shots, which I, I know it's going to say dumb, dumb to say this, but they'll win the game because they're going to get open looks in this game. I have little doubt about that. Again, you're playing against one of the, the worst three-point defensive teams in the country statistically. With, with that being said, you got strength versus strength and weakness versus weakness. Auburn's weakness is their offense, although it's been better here down the stretch, and I hope that continues. So you got that weakness versus Iowa's weakness as their defense, and then you got Iowa's offense as their strength versus Auburn's defense uh, is uh, their strength. They say defense wins championships, well, we'll find out which strength will prevail for, for each team. Will Auburn's defense should be too much uh, for this Iowa offense, or will Iowa's offense be too much for Auburn's defense? Because that's where, in the end, is where um, the result will lie. I, I think that both teams will kind of will stick to their trends on the offensive and defensive end. So I think Auburn will have a def- decent night offensively. So if they can slow down this Iowa offense, then I think they can pull out uh, the victory. we got to go get our final break in. When we come back, I'll have a, a few questions that I'm asking for not only this game, but for the tournament uh, for Auburn in general. And that's how uh, we will uh, close out the show. So stay tuned to your to Talking Tumors. We'll be right back. Welcome back to our final segment here of Talking Tumors. We're continuing our discussion on this Auburn versus Iowa matchup in Birmingham. I have not mentioned that. That could certainly and certainly will play a role and hopefully give Auburn an advantage uh, Thursday evening. But how does Auburn stop this Iowa offense, which is one of the best in the country, it obviously has to start with defending Chris uh, Murray. He has had some bad games, especially on the road. Jalen Williams or Allen Flanagan, one, will draw that matchup. Probably Jalen Williams, but Allen Flanagan may get matched up with him some. Got to lock him down. Got to force him to take tough shots. He has the ability to still knock down really contested shots. You got to hope that that doesn't happen. If it does, you'll just have to tip your hat to him. But it absolutely starts with him. And then, as I mentioned before, then you just got to stay in front of him as a whole and don't get to where you're in in chasing mode defensively. I mentioned as far as offensive offense goes, I think you still got to play through your front court, get the ball in your front court, and then look to see if, if they try to double in the paint, dish it back out, try to get some good open looks uh, from outside, getting Jalen Williams involved, getting... Uh, Janai Broom involved, obviously going to be very important. Auburn needs the, the four that I talked about, Alan Flanagan, Wendell Green, Jalen Williams, Janai Broom, to be at their best if they're going to win this game and if they're going to try to make a run in this tournament. How about Katie Johnson? Will Katie Johnson continue his solid play? He has played really well down the stretch, and I don't think that's a coincidence uh, up to why Auburn's offense and scoring has been better Uh down the stretch as well this season because of his play, because he's in, he's been shooting at a higher percentage. Uh, I, I think that's a big deal. He, he's a difference maker. He is He's an anomaly. You never know what you're going to get from him. But if he is playing and he is scoring and able to get to the basket, 
uh, against Iowa. That's going to be a good sign for this Auburn team if he's able to score uh, in this game and, and in the tournament as a whole. So I, I'm very intrigued to see what are we going to get out of Katie Johnson against Iowa and possibly if Auburn wins that one in the rest of the tournament. Jalen Williams, I mentioned, he's gone quiet. Auburn has to get more out of him. I'm very, also very interested to see how Wendell Green and Jalen Williams will fare in this tournament. They're crucial. Uh, like I said, especially with Katie Johnson, the unknown that he is, you absolutely have to have some consistency from Wendell Green and Jalen Williams. Wendell has struggled some against larger guards, but he did find success and had a pretty good game against Arkansas. Can he do that again? against Iowa. I think he can. I think he can take advantage maybe of, of being smaller, being able to have a little bit of quickness advantage over this Iowa Iowa team as a whole. We'll see. He's got to have a good game. Jalen Williams, he needs to be him. He needs to knock down some threes, needs to get his, his looks around the basket that he's so good at. He can't go quiet. Absolutely cannot go quiet in this game. I know that some Auburn fans may have been taken back by his comment that he told uh, the Auburn staff to take him out uh, against Arkansas, that he wasn't playing well, that, that Chris Moore was offering a lot more. And Chris Moore had a fantastic game. He was a great leader, was a big reason Auburn was able to make that comeback because of his intensity and effort on the defensive end. But Jalen Williams has to be on the court for Auburn. He's too good of a player. He offers too much on the offensive end. He needs to be out there. He needs to get back to finding himself. Then the big question I have is who's going to take the final shot? I know that there's been a lot of frustration because Wendell Green has taken the final shot many times within the last two years uh, in his Auburn career here, and he hasn't made them. He hasn't made the final shot, but that's not fair to really say that without also mentioning that he's a big reason Auburn has been able to even be in these games, to be able to come back in a lot of these games that Auburn has come back in. But who takes it? If, if this game comes down to a final shot against Iowa or at any point during the tournament, Who's going to take the final shot? Alan Flanagan, interesting enough, said he talked to Bruce Pearl about this very issue this week. Will it be him? Certainly seems like that is a possibility moving forward. That's something I'll be watching if it comes down to that against Iowa or any other team possibly if Auburn wins moving forward in the tournament. So how does Auburn get this win against Iowa? Put simply, play defense like they're capable of. When Auburn has their A game defensively, they can beat anyone if they have their A game defensively against Iowa, I believe they will win. As for offense, you got to knock down the open shots. Just they're they're going to be there. This isn't a good defense, but if you don't make them, it won't matter. They've got to be able to score. If they hold Iowa to seventy or less, I think Auburn wins. That's been the number kind of all year for this Auburn team, and that that's not easy. I mean, that's ten points below Iowa's season average. But if they can do that, I think they'll win. Then they could, if they win that game, they could, they more than likely will match up with Houston. I don't even want to go there because if you if you got to focus on one game at a time, I know that game would take place before I'm back on air. Still, not even, not even didn't even want to talk about it because the only focus should be on Iowa right now. If you win that game, then you think about uh, the possible next matchup uh, that would take place on Saturday. So be following me on social media if Auburn does win. I'll offer some thoughts on the next uh, matchup that Auburn will have in the NCAA tournament. And hey, who knows, maybe next week we'll be back here talking about Auburn in the Sweet 16. Certainly, uh, one can hope. Uh, we'll see what happens. It should be a fun weekend. Again, SEC play starting for Auburn baseball. You've got gymnastics, 
Uh, you got softball and you've got March Madness. Enjoy it, everyone. And we'll be back on Talking Tumors next Wednesday at 10. We'll be looking forward uh, to it then. That's why I'm sure we'll have plenty more to discuss, as always. Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Wednesday at 10 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com and follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle and see you next time.